Hello and welcome to Holly's Hotspurs, where I, your host, Holly Agambar, will be talking all the latest news and gossip, along with a few heated opinions on the club we all love, Tottenham Hotspur. Now you can watch this unfold live with me and my guests over on YouTube at my channel, Holly Agambar. But for now, let's sit back and discuss what has been happening at Tottenham. Hopefully, we've been living lavish. Hello and welcome to another episode of Holly Hotspurs Live and today... After that defeat, I am joined with two great guests. I'm joined with Wes. How are you today, Wes? Uh, yeah, the less said about that, the better, I think. Yeah, I think that's wise. And we're also joined with Adam. How are you today, Adam? Uh, I think the result says it all, really, doesn't it? Yes, it's not a vibe, is it, really, today? But nevertheless, no. we're going to sit here and try and dissect it. So to start with, I think we're going to have to start with the lineup. And for me, I think the, the key point to pick up is this back four. So Wes, I'm going to come with you first. What are your thoughts on the way we set up at the back today? Um, I thought it was quite interesting, to be fair. Um, obviously, Jose clearly rewarding Tanganga with a with yet another start. I think he played quite well against City, um, pocketing probably another top winger in the league in, in Raheem Sterling. Um, have to admit, though, I was really, really worried um, seeing Sanchez and Dyer um, at the back, especially Sanchez. Um, because having thought about, you know, potentially Mikel Antonio for West Ham, um, you know, starting up top, I thought that Sanchez would probably get bullied a little bit. Um, but, you know, it was, was really, really good to see uh, Reggie on back. And actually, I thought Reggie played really, really well today. Um, but yeah, that back four, it was a bit like, uh, it was one of those for me, really. Like I say, it was, you know, seeing Sanchez and Dyer, and I mean, it hasn't really filled anybody with confidence throughout the season. Um, could see why Tanganga started, but yeah, like I said, good to see Reggie back as well. So that's sort of what I made of it, to be fair. No, it's a good shout. And I think a lot of Spurs fans were obviously happy to see Reggie back. Obviously, having to part with Davies for a long time hasn't really done anybody any favours. But Adam, I want to come to you. Obviously, uh, Wes has touched on the centre-back partnership of both Sanchez and Dyer. And I was, yeah. I was the same. I wasn't looking forward to it. Um, do you know why maybe Toby was left out? Or would you prefer to see Toby over either one of those two? Well, it's not just Toby. I think Roden as well. Where, where, where's Roden? He, he wasn't. He didn't. Obviously, he didn't play Thursday because he's not registered. Wasn't in the team for Man City. So what's what's happened to him? Has Mourinho got no hope in him? No faith in him? I mean, the only mistake I can think of was he had the mistake against Liverpool. He had a little mishap against Chelsea, but I don't think he's put a foot out of place. With Toby, I always thought that Mourinho would maybe not play Toby because of his his lack of pace against certain teams. With with Antonio, obviously very quick. West Ham have got a lot of quick wingers, but. It just doesn't, like you say, it just doesn't fill you with any hope at the moment. I mean, what has Broden got to do to get into this team to start again? Well, that's that's a good point. I mean, like you said, he's he's only really put one foot wrong, really. And what does he have to do to be able to get into this side? So that is a, a very good point. And obviously, we see up the top that, obviously, we all kind of thought we'd see Bale today at the start. And, and that wasn't the case. So, Wes, I know you spoke a little bit beforehand of this this live. What are your thoughts on why Bale didn't start today? Um, well, if I take the bail situation as a whole, um, to give it some form of context, I personally have been really, really hacked off with Gareth Bale um, since he's come back. I think his attitude up until recently has been awful. Um, and I look at everybody saying that Bale needs games and he needs time to show what he can do. But at the same time, I personally think Bale's had 
dec- a decent amount of chances. Like, okay, he's played Europa League and, and FA Cup games and things like that. But in those games, probably until Thursday, he hasn't, for me, shown anything. Like, he hasn't shown potentially why he should be starting other than the fact it's it's Gareth Bale. Um, so, yeah, I think his, his attitude for me has is, is not been, you know, what I would have thought of him coming back at all. Obviously, I knew that we'd get a different type of Gareth Bale, you know, one that would play on the right-hand side, drift in and, and things like that. But I think he's almost been a bit lazy sometimes. Um, but like I say, until Thursday, and Thursday was probably his best performance in a, in a Spurs shirt since, since returning. Um, so, yeah, I was a little bit surprised perhaps not to see him because you would have thought Jose might have rewarded him. Obviously, took him off early uh, midweek as well to perhaps save him uh, for this game. Um, but yeah, I think the the whole sort of bail situation as a whole is almost it's almost like Arsenal what they had with Meza Özil and why Özil wasn't playing. Um, and I think we've had that with Bale, you know, since he's come back. It's you know if Jose makes a decision, you know, as as fans and as, as and, and whatnot, we have to back that decision, um, whether we like it, agree with it or not. Um, but it's almost like every every time that. Bale doesn't play or is on the bench. It's always well. Why is Gareth Bale not starting? Why is he not getting these minutes? And it and I think that's probably frustrated Mourinho a lot as well. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of today's game, um, I think you know Bale was probably our one of our best players when he came off the bench. He actually looked hungry. Um, he looked like he wanted to actually be it, be there, which I don't think we could say that earlier on in the season. Um, but I think it's quite interesting about the comments made recently from his agent um, saying that Bale's now in sort of the twilight years of his career um, and, you know, potentially on the way down. But it's like, well, Bale's still 31. He's probably got another year, maybe two years max at the top level. Um, but I thought those comments and the timing of those comments, I think, were, were very, very interesting because, like I say, you'd, as as an agent, I know we have uh, cases with Mino Raiola especially, uh, coming out and you know dishing dirt or whatnot, saying things potentially out of turn for for his clients. But by and large, you don't really you don't really hear it with agents speaking about their clients publicly. Um, so yeah, I thought the timing of those comments were were quite interesting because we're all sort of you know speaking about Gareth Bale near enough every day um, as, as Spurs fans. So yeah, and I think but I think for him to come out and say that, especially when Bale's in and out of the team and struggling to get a place in, it's almost that. Well, it's given Jose now an excuse not to play him because it's that case of, well, your agent said you're finished, so why am I going to play you? That's true. But also on the flip side, could it be that it's pushed Jose to maybe give him that chance in the second half of the day? Um, Adam, that's why I want to come to you. Do you think maybe bringing him on has forced maybe that in the next game in the Prem we'll see him play again? Because I admit with Wes, I think he was one of our best players when he came off the bench. Yeah, he has to he has to start in the next game. We saw on Thursday that he's bringing that bit of class back and you could see that he's, he's getting his attack in. The only question was at the start was his fitness, which he looks like he's getting back to now because he's played a full full half as well. But he, he has to start on Thursday. I'm surprised that when he actually came on, it wasn't for Lucas Moura because we know what kind of first half Lucas Moura had. We know what happened in the second half, but that was the real shock that he was still on the pitch. No, I agree with that. And to be fair... At the moment, I'm trying to stay behind Jose because of obviously this golden age that we're still in all these cups. But that's the one thing that frustrates me with Jose is his subs. And I'm just going to come back to you again, Adam, on your point about Lucas Mora. So why did we see Lucas today? What what were your thoughts on him? 
I think we probably see Lucas Moura today because West Ham have got the running track and Lucas Moura is known for running a lot. We know that. Um, maybe maybe he picked up the wrong sport. Maybe he should have took on rugby because he seems to run directly into people. Maybe he would have been better at that, but I don't know. Maybe it's his energy and he's, he's tracking back. We know Jose likes his defensive-minded players that will, will track back and try and win the ball, but I just don't think he's got as many goal involvements. He should have, he should have started battle today. No, that's true. And it is very infuriating seeing Lucas, obviously, because on th on Thursday, he did wonders managing to take on everyone. But then obviously to today, that weren't going to work because we know what he's like. He likes to run into people and also shots as well. I think he did actually try and clear this London stadium today just with <laughs> and the same with you, Wes. I mean, we touched on, on Lucas Moura. I'd like to pick out on Lamela because for me, I didn't know whether Lamela would start today because I thought he would have probably got sent off. But he did start. What were your thoughts on Lamela today? Uh, Coco, uh, he divides opinion, doesn't he? Um, yeah, I think me me and my dad kind of have a little running joke every game that he plays on like what minute he's going to get booked because he just loves a tackle, Eric Lamella. Um, Lamella, for me as a player, is so frustrating. And I think every Spurs fan will probably agree with that. But I think there's at times today, like you could listen, I can never fault Lamella's attitude and his commitment to the cause and everything like that. The almost the things that as a fan you you would want to see in a play. I don't think you can ever, you know, take that away from Lamella. I think it's the actual bits that, in terms of quality and, and things like that, that perhaps let him down at times. Um, I'm pretty sure Levy's got him on a touch bonus as well or something because he has to he has to take like 150 bloody touches every time he has the ball. Um, but I think that as well slows our game down so much, especially when we're trying to counter-attack. Um so, yeah, he's it's, it's, it's frustrating, but he gives 100% and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, as a fan, that's a bare minimum, I suppose, that you ask for. Um, but I think at the same time, he's, he's got some qualities and we see it in flashes. It's just not consistent. Um, and it's quite surprising that he's getting a little bit of a run in the side because he usually only comes around once a year. He's like Santa, isn't he? Bless him. Um, <laughs> with all his injuries and stuff. Um, so, yeah, no, I was a little bit surprised perhaps that, that Lamella played again. Obviously, um, he's played a lot recently. He's had, you know, his, his usual amount of injuries in a season. So, I mean, for me, I would have probably started Delhi because I think Delhi did well in midweek as well. Um, but, yeah, it's, yeah, Lamella's just, he's just vibes, I suppose. He's just there. Isn't he? um, <laughs> vibes and ball rolls. Literally, soul <laughs> roll, soul roll FC, I think, um, is Eric Lamella. But, um, yeah, no, I think, again, he did all right today and I could sort of understand a little bit why he got taken off at halftime. Um, we know he's got these moments where he just flies into people and tackles people and obviously, ultimately he was on a booking anyway um, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I could kind of see that change. But, yeah, I think in the first half, he again, he was trying to progress the team forward. I just think at times he just takes too many touches where you, you're watching it and you're like potentially you no know, slide in slide him in slide him in it could be Kane it could be Son but he takes that extra touch then that allows the defenders to to get back in and and stuff and then that opportunity is almost gone so yeah that's probably what I'd sum up with uh, Eric Lamella to be fair. That's the thing. I think that's the problem with both Lucas and Lamela. You see him managing to take all these dribbles and don't get me wrong it's quite nice to actually see players drive with the ball for once but then you're thinking to yourself hang on, mate, you need to slip the ball through now because that chance has just gone begging. So it is very frustrating. I mean, let's have a look at this from Sean. Uh, do you reckon Bergwijn would have done much better than any other winger today? Amount of chances we had. What do you reckon, Adam? What do you think on Sean's take? Do you think we maybe should have given Bergwijn a little chance today? I, I prefer Bergwijn over Mora. 
but again it's just another winger that doesn't really provide that much with with the crosses and the goals that they should be we had a lot of chances today a lot of chances i think overall the finishing stats was like four shots on target throughout the whole game and 19 shots off target so where where are all these shots going to why like bergwijn might have done better but it was that that first half was just terrible where they couldn't create anything i think it the first i think the first shot on target came back the 41st minute 42nd minute and that's just not good enough if you're going to try and win a game no, exactly. And that's the thing. Um, like we've touched on, Bergwijn obviously had that wonderful goal against Man City. And then since then, we haven't really seen much of him going forward. Now, is that because maybe Wes Jose likes to have these defensive-minded players and maybe he's drilled into Bergwijn that you need to track back? Um, I think that's quite an interesting point, actually, because I think out of all of probably the wingers or wide players that we've got, I often see Bergwijn the deepest out of all of them. Um, and he's probably one that I would say is has really bought into that defensive, you know, do your shift for the team probably more than the others. But I think that has probably hindered him going the other way. So it might be that actually, okay, because he's starting a little bit deeper, that he's then, you know, when we are counter-attacking, he's got to then, you know, sprint forward like 60, 70 yards. And then he's got to do the same back again. And that takes a lot, a lot of energy. Um, but I think that's probably why his attacking output is is so low because I think when Berg when up whenever I've watched us with Bergwin and Son, it's almost like Bergwin compensates for Son in the sense that Bergwin will you know do that defensive side, whereas Sonny's allowed to kind of drift and roam a little bit. Um, he might even be sort of alongside Kane and then drift out perhaps to the left hand side. Um, so I think yeah, I mean I like Bergwin as a player, but I don't know if he's being used correctly in an attacking sense because I think when he was at PSV, it was very much you know in off the left um, and and you know doing his bit doing his bit there, um, but he's come in at, at Tottenham and he's playing on the right and and you know obviously asked to do a completely different role, but I don't know if that role is perhaps hindering him going the other way if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm totally with you and obviously. We have to kind of highlight on the goals we conceded today and we all kind of know it's individual errors from one person. And I'd like to pick up on what Light says here. He says about Reno's press conference, which I actually haven't seen yet, but he's saying that he cannot resolve these problems himself. So is that, Adam, pointing the finger directly at the defence, do you believe? Oh, it's it's clear we've got defensive errors. I mean, you always see these jokes on, on football Twitter about, When's a penalty going to come for Liverpool? When's a penalty going to be scored by Bruno? Maybe our Tottenham fans should start a new one, which is defensive error bingo, and we'll start guessing which minute it's going to come. Because you just there's just no confidence at the moment with the team. Set, set pieces, corners, anything there. You, you see West Ham are winning them. We just have no defensive force at all whatsoever. You just don't trust the centre-backs, do you? What, what we came on to earlier, what do the other centre-backs have to do? They're sitting back watching this and thinking, how am I not getting in this team? No, exactly that. And it's like Jay's just pointed out here. I mean, no manager comes in to fix the fence. You're a clown if you think otherwise. And I agree to that to a sense. They're probably sat there squirming as I say this. But is there maybe Jose's not managing to get the best out of them? I mean, I'm just trying to put a flip on it and try and make it positive. But what do you think, Wes? Is, could Jose potentially get any more out of this defence than what he's already got? Um, well, let's look at, say, the defence. If we have Serge Aurier... Dyer, Alderweireld, Sanchez, Davis, that that was those five, believe it or not. I know you could add in perhaps Danny Rose, who we know that Jose's bombed out. Maybe Danny Rose was 
actually making a point in the documentary when he said that, you know, there's players that haven't been the greatest in training and haven't been playing well yet still get picked. I think now that's come to light, especially because of the way we're defending. And a lot of people are kind of siding with Danny Rose on that and saying, no, Danny Rose, you were right because, you know, we can see it. We can see it for ourselves now. Whereas I think before we perhaps couldn't. Um, But if I look at, say, those six, they all got to a Champions League final. So suddenly, you know, 18 months down the line, they're being ridiculed every week. Now, obviously, you can add in the fact we've lost for Tongan, who I think has been a massive miss at the back um, for us with his presence, his calmness um, and things like that. But like I say, six of six of the back back line were, you know, in a Champions League final. And, you know, all right, we got their hook or by crook. But, you know, again, like I say, Champions League finalists. And we were actually consistent in terms of staying in the top four and being, you know, as close to winning a league, I think, as anybody in certainly in recent years has, has ever seen. So it's interesting. I think has Jose actually adapted to the players that he's got? Because, you know, you, you look at, all right, he's worked with world-class players at every at pretty much every club he's been at. So he perhaps doesn't have to drill them as much because he knows that they are of a certain ability. But when he's coming at Tottenham, these players aren't all of us. They're not the top bracket of player. They're perhaps that step or two steps below. So he's got to drill them a little bit more. Evidence would suggest from what we're watching that that isn't happening on the training pitch. Um, so I don't know if it's just a case of us just going back to pure basics um, and and whatnot, almost, you know, try and keep clean sheets and then, you know, try and nick games. But then obviously we did that and it still hasn't worked. So I'm, I'm a really, really unsure as to whether if it's the players that are just consistently letting them down, like no coach, you know, I'm a coach myself and no coach can ever legislate ever at any level and at any age group, you can never legislate for individual errors. But there's something you can do to address those. And when you train as much, perhaps, as Tottenham do in terms of every day, there's multiple opportunities for you to to address and fix it. But it, it looks like it just hasn't been addressed, unfortunately, for us. And, and it, it's showing, it showed again today. Um, even on Thursday, it showed, you know, there's it's just happened all throughout the season, I think. That's the thing. There's no real escaping it at the minute. But this is the thing that infuriates me. Someone's mentioned it in the comments. I can't find it now. But it was something to the fact that, but why is Jose so persistent on playing the likes of Dyer and Sanchez? And that's the thing, Adam. Where do you stand on it? I mean, I know you've touched on Rodon. Would you prefer to just throw the youngins in and see how they perform? Because at the minute, you're just thinking to yourself, how much longer can we go on with Jose trying to back Dyer? It's interesting with those two because every Premier League team will have their strongest centre-back pairing. So what Tottenham fans, if you ask a Tottenham fan, what would you say is your strongest centre-back pairing? Does Mourinho even know his strongest centre-back pairing at the moment? This is why he's trying, still trying to rotate. We're in we're in February, almost into the March, and he's still rotating his centre-backs throughout the game. Does he not still not know? Um, it, uh, it's tough. It's tough watching at the moment with them two at the back. It really is. You just don't know where, where to go from here, really. But it's true. And, and like we saw today, obviously, the first goal, I'm still in my ways that it was down to die because I'm not being funny to you. Okay, there was a bit of build-up play where you could argue is Regulon fouled in that build-up play. But anyway, the ball comes in and Dyer just kind of watches it and allows the ball to come across him and Antonio's there to put a foot on it. So, Wes, I want to come to you. Is this, again, why we shouldn't see Dyer anymore? Is this where we should see him getting benched? Listen, I've I, Eric Dyer is possibly the only centre-half I've ever seen 
that does not want to jump and get off the floor to attack a football. It's ridiculous. Like I could, I wish I was a performance analyst right now because I could clip a minimum of ten goals that we've conceded where Dyer doesn't jump or is either too late jumping with his opponent and they've gone on and scored. Um, today's one with a, with the first goal. My goodness. The worst bit about it is, Holly, is that as that ball is on that right-hand side, he's dropped back in. He feels Antonio. He gets his arm out and then look, then and he feels Antonio, so he knows he's there. Then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, the ball's in and Dai is nowhere near it and he's looking at Tanganga. It's like, no, you felt the striker there. Take some responsibility within that back line. You're the senior player, if you like, within that defensive pairing or that defensive unit. Take some responsibility, go and attack the ball. Um, so, yeah, I think Dyer living up to his name, basically. Um, you know, he's been awful. Um, was never overly convinced with him at centre-back. I think the only time perhaps he's got away with it is perhaps our last season at White Hart Lane where we more often than not played with the back three and Dyer was the right-sided centre-back with Toby and Jan. Uh, next to him. I don't know if it was because he had Toby and Jan alongside him that could help him get through a game. But yeah, I think at times, you know, well, this season's shown that he needs a sustained period out of the team because, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to different people and it's like, well, Jose can't coach individual errors. No, but what he can do and what he can affect is perhaps taking Dyer out the firing line for five or six games and then look to integrate him back in. Where by doing that, he then makes a point of, with Dyer of like, right, okay, you need to kind of buck your ideas up a little bit and show me why I've put so much, so much faith in you. But I'm just going to take you out the firing line for a minute because you're costing us. And I'm going to go with either Sanchez or Alderweireld or Roden and Alderweireld or some, you know, whichever pairing that Jose wants to pick this week. Um, but yeah, I think Dyer's, for me, has to get taken out of that firing line just to save not only himself, but the team as well, because I think Dyer's coming in for however much criticism, which is probably fair because of the level of performance that he's putting in. Now, I know that players don't go out to have a bad game, but you can't, for me, like you can't keep having faith with somebody that is just consistently letting you down. And it's almost like, look, I'm backing you to the hills here. Like, give me something back. Um, but I think, yeah, like I say, take Dyer out the firing line and, and, and we'll see what happens, I think. Yeah, exactly. Like, how many more times has he got to do something wrong for Jose to keep him in there? That's the thing that I'm really struggling to work out at the moment. And I think it was the audacity as well, like you said, to turn around the Tanganga to blame him when, in actual fact, he knew he was there. That's the thing that really infuriated me. But nevertheless, obviously, we move on to the second goal as well. And I don't want to call this the anti-Dyer show, but I feel like today it's warranted. So, Adam, what were your thoughts on the second goal? Well, first of all, I thought us conceding in the first five minutes couldn't get any worse. But then, you know, Tottenham had this because it got worse. We conceded in the second minute, in the second half instead. Um, not just Dyer, but Sanchez as well. When Lingard's running through, you watch it and he, he kind of looks to shove him. But it's, it's the weakest challenge I've ever seen. We've seen Sanchez absolutely floor people where he's being confident trying to win the ball on the occasion. And this looks like a tiny little nudge. If he knocks Lingard there, that goal doesn't happen. So they're both, they're both at fault for that second goal, unfortunately. And again, just like Alan, Alan's pointed out, it's it's this back partnership that I think is actually maybe stemming as our backbone at the moment. And because it's so weak, it's causing the rest of the team to kind of falter. I mean, obviously, there's at the moment, there is um, talk about Larice being not what he's used to be. And I think to an extent, 
maybe we could question him. But I also think this lack of confidence that's running in the team is something that isn't obviously helping Lloris. So, Wesley, I want to go with you. Obviously, in recent weeks, we've seen Lloris have a bit of a blinder here and there. I mean, today, could he was he at fault at the goal for it coming out of his hands? I don't know. But what are your thoughts on Lloris as well? Um, Hugo, Hugo. Well, I watch him sometimes. And I think he's been back on the Vino, to be fair. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, he pulls off. The thing that frustrates me with Larice is they will drop a clanger, you know, potentially like he did today, you know, question marks over over him with that goal in, against Liverpool and, you know, in other games, you know, City, especially last weekend. But then he'll pull off a world-class save like he did on Thursday. So you know that Hugo's still got something there. But the thing that frustrates me is he's dropping these clangers and it's like he's been a world-class goalkeeper. Like, when we signed him, I was buzzing because he could, he had his pick of any top European club. He was that good at that time. Um, I think his role has changed over the years. Obviously, when he first came in under AVB and, and show it, he was like that sweeper keeper. And it was almost like the that position was was being redefined, if you like. But then as the years have gone on, it seems to he's got deeper and deeper and deeper and he hasn't flown out as much. I don't know if that's because of age or anything like that, but... It's quite interesting that, you know, Pochettino, with the way that we played, he still wasn't that sweeper-keeper. Um, but I've, I've said it um, to, to people before. I think perhaps at that time where we transitioned from the old stadium into Wembley, um, noticing then a slight drop-off, but well, I say a slight drop-off, a massive drop-off in Lloris. And I, was, I said to my dad at the time, I was like, look, I think we need a new keeper. Um, and everybody goes on about keeper longevity and things like that. And... I think even I did see someone somewhere, you know, mention they'd get Kasper Schmeichel in. But Kasper Schmeichel's the same age as Hugo Lloris. So we're not going to get any longevity out of signing Kasper Schmeichel. Um, but, yeah, I think Hugo's definitely regressed as the as the years have gone on. He's not sort of maintained and sustained his levels of being that top-class goalkeeper that we initially signed. Um, but, yeah, I think his, his errors... Uh, are becoming a bit too too frequent. I think his distribution over the years has got worse. Like he couldn't he couldn't clip a fullback or anything like that. Especially when we were playing at Wembley, I think that was really getting highlighted a lot. Um, but I think with the way that we play now, we're not so much a team that wants to progress through the pitch and play out using our centre backs. But I think that's helped Hugo a little bit with his distribution because he doesn't go as long, or he doesn't play short. Sorry, he goes longer. Um, a lot more. Uh, just seen a comment there. If only we had a good a good keeper out on loan. Um, yeah, I think yeah, Gazza's probably um, for me. Gazaniga's probably all right. He's done okay, but I always sensed him he was a backup goalkeeper anyway. I mean, he does deserve a statue for fly kicking Marcus Alonso. To be fair to him, but um, you know, yeah, that's just my take on on Hugo. I'd love to see like a new younger goalkeeper coming in. But they're very few and far between, I think. And, you know, trying to find one will be very, very difficult. I mean, I've got Parksy and, and Rems in the in the chat. Rems is saying that he'd prefer Joe Hart over Larice at the moment. And <laughs> Jade's saying Joe Hart is the saviour. I mean, <laughs> firstly, I think both those um those uh not great comments and the fact that uh, it's so to Joe Hart, I just don't like about him. But don't get me wrong, he's won stuff. And I think that's what Jose's tried to install in the team and the fact that we need a uh, a room that's full of winners, shall we say, in the changing rooms. But for me, I, I wouldn't see Joe Hart over Larice, sadly, Rems. But nevertheless, I, we're going to try and keep it a little bit positive and talk about Regulon, Adam. So I want to come to you on Regulon. Obviously, we know Davies 
is uh, not the great person and Regulon coming yeah. back is, is brilliant. So I want to have your take on Regulon today. It was good to see Regulon back. Um, it was a shame to see him taken off, um, but I think that may have been down to the booking, uh, the booking it received. But it was that pace down the left. I mean, Ben Davis just lacks that pace down the left. And if he gets caught out up the field, you know he's not going to get back in time. Whereas Regulon has got that pace that if he does get, if we do lose, break down a challenge, then he will track back and he will get back in positions. I'm a big fan of Regulon. Yeah, no, and I think that's good. And like Rems has pointed out here, I think the combination of regular managing to actually beat a man and put a decent cross in over Davies is, is something that's to look forward to in, in the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, apart from that, we can obviously talk about our goal. I mean, we've touched on Lucas today and he had to be the man, Adam, that managed to get on the goal sheet. So, Wes, I want to come to you. What do you make of that set piece? You've actually scored from a corner today. Um, yeah, not going to lie. I think after the second one went in, I did lose quite a bit of interest because I definitely lost my head um, when that second one went in at the state of the defending. Because I'm not going to lie, the, the teams that I coach and I, you know, I coach junior teams are under what, under 11, under 13s. And I'm thinking to myself, if they defended like that, I'd have been I'd have been on them. I'd have been I'd have said, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, whether that's the right way to, to go about it or not, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think. Second half, it was almost like we had a go, which is always a positive. Um, but it just seems like we have to concede to, before we start playing. We have to hit 70, 75 minutes before we actually then take the initiative to the opposition. Um, I think, well, unless, you know, the Everton game was probably an example of us going at it probably from minute one right the way right the way through and we still come off the back of a of a of a thrilling game to watch but you know we still come off the back of a defeat so yeah not gonna lie I did lose a little bit of interest but it was good to see like second half that we actually had a little bit of fight and a little bit of determination and a little bit of something to try and at least get something out of the game um I think we've had a couple of good chances second half where we've we probably should have scored um but yeah I think that's that's kind of my take on it really yeah, that's the thing. Like we had so many opportunities and we just couldn't find the back of the net. I think I'd also like to highlight on Harry Kane because I thought Harry Kane today he didn't look his normal self at them. Do you think that's because maybe his injury at the moment that he had a previous weeks ago is actually still playing on his mind, or do you think he's not one hundred percent match fit yet? He he could have been rushed in for the last few results. He he knows that he's going to be the best finisher at the club. Um, interestingly, you mentioned Kane. I also thought Sun today as well. I can't remember him having a shot on target today. Um, so I know he's probably out on the left most of the game, but I don't remember him hitting, having a shot on target at all. And he's been one of our massive influential players this season, him and Kane. Um, so it's a tough one for both of them, really. Yeah, it was. And the thing for me that I noticed throughout the game was this movement off the ball. I think there was a lack of it. I mean, we saw Ndombele try and get in and you can see at times he's having a go at people around him. So I think that was something else that probably wasn't helping. And like you said, Son was probably isolated out wide as well. So going forward, obviously, we did lose the game 2-1 and it, it wasn't great. But where can we go from this, do you reckon, Wesley? Do we need to try and get this game over done, done with on Wednesday and go from there? Do you, Would you like to see maybe something happen differently in the back? Do we give the likes of Joe Roden a chance at the back? Um, well, obviously, Roden can't play midweek. So, um, yeah, that's a bit unfortunate. Out the window. <laughs> yeah, that one's out the window, unfortunately. But I, I think the game in itself well i think the the tie is 
there's still, I mean, any Spurs fan will know that we're still not comfortable. We're 4-1 up and we're still not comfortable. Um, it's just the way we've been brought up. Obviously, we've got this Spursy tag and everything like that. But I'd quite like to see something perhaps a little bit different, maybe a little bit refreshing. Um, you know, I think I even said on Thursday that I wouldn't have minded to see Jamie Bowden come on. You know, a, a player that's highly thought of at the club. Uh, saw recently he's been likened to Michael Carrick um, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, perhaps give, obviously, the fringe players will probably get a, a bit of a go. Um, but, yeah, throw in a couple of young players. You know, Jose has done it and it's worked with Tanganga. So I'm not saying that everyone is going to work out because, I, I, I mean, if that does happen, then obviously brilliant, but I can't see it for the life of me. But, yeah, just give some of these, you know, younger players a, a bit of a run just to see what they're like, um, but still have the, the backup there for the worst case scenario, um, just in case it doesn't quite go to plan. But, you know, I think even if we if we draw the game midweek, you know, more than likely still go through, uh, depending on how many goals are scored, I think. But, um, yeah, you know, I think we're, we're in a commanding position um, with that Europa League tie. So, and obviously being 4-1 up now, I think he can afford to rest the likes of Kane and, and Hoiberg, who I think has looked absolutely knackered in the last few games, because I think he's just, he's missed the dependable, don't get me wrong, but he needs a rest. Like, he's looking knackered. Um, and I think that's why mistakes are coming from him. Like, he's giving the ball away cheaply, which has been unlike him, by and large, for the majority of the season. You know, he's making desperate tackles and desperate fouls that he doesn't necessarily need to. Um, but I think that's just because he's knackered and he's, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve, Hoiberg, and I love that. But he's trying to be here, there and everywhere, and perhaps he doesn't need to be. Um, but I think he's compensating for perhaps those around him in a defensive aspect. But... Yeah, just, just give some of the fringe players a bit of a go, um, see what they're like. You know, if we put Captain Scarlett up top, he might bag again. Um, you know, give Vinicius a run. I mean, what does that poor guy have to do to get uh, to get a game? Like, even if Kane's injured, it, it's like, you know, he can't, he can't get a look in, which is a shame because I think we've cried out for a half-decent striker to be either a backup to Kane or play alongside Harry Kane. We finally get one and it's like he's just there. Um, which is really, really annoying. Um, but yeah, like I say, perhaps give some of these fringe players some minutes um, and, you know, throw two, one or two youngsters in um, if, they're, if they're allowed to be in there, if they're registered or not. I'm not 100% sure in terms of perhaps playing some, some of our younger players. But yeah, just, to, just switch it up a little bit. And, and you know, because I think the league is, is a priority mainly for, for any club. But I think obviously with our position, it might be, it might go the other way, and actually Jose might look at it and go, "Well, we're we're ninth, x amount of points away from from the top four. Let's just go for the Europa League." I think he did that um, towards the end of his his season at United when they sort of won the Europa League. So, it wouldn't shock me if there was a a similar approach, but I'd, I'd just love to see some of the fringe players get a bit of a run and 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 whatnot. That's the thing. I mean, at the moment with our league form, I feel like all our eggs are slightly going to be put in that basket for Europa. And I think in terms of going forward, I think as much as it pains me to say, I feel like someone mentioned earlier about top four. I feel like top four is slowly getting out of our reach. And I think the only way to bring UCL football to Tottenham is to win that Europa League. So in terms of that, Adam, obviously we spoke about wanting to see the youngins and, and things like that. Do you think this is the way forward? Do you think that maybe our hopes in the league are slowly slipping down the table? Or do you think we could possibly go on and still go on a run? I mean, there's still quite a few games left. Do you think because this 
Premier League table is so unpredictable at the moment during the crisis that we're in. Do you think we could potentially still try and push on in the league? I think today was a must-win game. Today was the big one because our next three games after that is Burnley, Palace and Fulham. And in any other season, we'd look at it and we'd think, yeah, we could get nine points. But now you've got to play a team where Burnley, we know how they play. They're going to play, they're going to sit back and they're going to defend. Fulham, Scott Parker looks like he's turning it around there. Maybe they'll start doing, well, start getting themselves out of trouble. And Palace, well, we know what happened in the last game. We, we ended up getting a point because once again, we conceded late. So I, I, it'll be close to see if top four. It just depends if what the other teams are doing now. There's so many teams at the top that are flying. You've got your, your Leicester that just can't, can't seem to be stopped at the moment. I think Leicester will be nailed on. It'll be the fourth spot, I think. The top three will be decided already. It'll be that fourth spot that a lot of teams will be fighting for. But there could be a chance, but we'd really have to really pull a nice run of results together towards the end. I like that you mentioned that today was a must-win because there's loads of jokes running around on Twitter and things about this is a cup final. And to be honest, I think today's game was a cup final for both teams in the sense that there was a lot riding on it. It'd be a chance for us to turn things around and a chance for West Ham to pull away. And unfortunate for us, West Ham came on top. And that's another thing I kind of want to point out on. I mean, we've mentioned Hoiberg already, and we mentioned this in the last episode, that I think Hoiberg is is slowly running out of his form because he has to hold that back line, because I feel like he's here, there and everywhere. We obviously saw him against um, Everton giving away that penalty, obviously, because he clipped him by accident. But do you think Wes, it's because Sissoko can't predominantly play that position when Hoiberg's not there? Do you think, like you said, he is Mr. Dependable? Oh, Musa Sissoko. Oh. I've been very, very vocal on um, Musa Sissoko previously. Um, for those people that are watching that, that know me, um, they know that Musa Sissoko is not my favourite player at all. Um, I think I've even gone on record saying that probably his level is about Crystal Palace um, and, and that's about it. Um, so I've been very, very critical of Sissoko. But I think in this Jose team, because I think... Mourinho has almost had like two teams in two parts in his spell. So there was probably obviously the one he took over and inherited and now this one. Um, I think obviously when we were flying, Sissoko and Hoiberg were quite pivotal um, in terms of what we were doing and pivotal to our success um, in terms of us getting up to, you know, obviously top of the league in December and, you know, every fan getting a bit giddy, myself included. Um, but yeah, I think... It's it's quite interesting as well because Sissoko's come out and said in an interview that the style of play is a little bit different and, you know, we should have been picking up points in certain games and all of a sudden you've just seen him get phased out of the team a little bit. That in itself, I think, speaks volumes. Um, yeah, Sissoko for me just kind of runs about a bit. That's literally it. He's 31 years old, can't control a football to save his life um, and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I think we... I think in the summer, personally, I think we need to get a, a central midfield player, almost a box-to-box type of midfield player that could also complement Hoiberg. Um, because I think, I know Ollie Skip's doing absolute bits in the championship for Norwich at the minute, but do I see Skip and Hoiberg as a midfield duo? Probably not. I'd probably say Skip is back up to Hoiberg. And I think that's probably a fair kind of comparison to make. Um but yeah, Sissoko for me, just he just doesn't do it. I think, you know, it sums it up when I think, I don't know if any of you guys were there will remember the game, but we played by Leverkusen in the Champions League at Wembley and he could not trap a bag of cement, the geezer. Yeah, he still bagged 90 minutes and I'm still to this day confused as to how that happened because um, he was awful. Um, so yeah, Sissoko, I've 
yeah, I've said kind of all I can really on Sissoko. Um, to be honest, like I don't think he's good enough. He's nowhere near the level that we need. Um, but having said that, he did have Jose seemed to depend on him. So, um, you know, especially in the first instance, I think he gave a, a little bit of a balance. Obviously, we saw in games like City and Arsenal that we almost defended with a back six and Sissoko was happy to do that. I think he does show good energy in terms of getting up and down the pitch, but on the ball, he's horrifically bad. Like, he's awful. And I'm surprised we've still got him, to be fair, because I think especially after his first season that he had with us, I would have probably shipped him off and probably said that as a write-off and see you later. Um, so, but I think fair play to him. He has sort of turned his Tottenham career around but then I don't think the bar was very high. You could almost argue that with Serge Aurier as well. Um, so, yeah, like I say, I, I think some in, I just think the balance in the midfield has got lost a little bit. Maybe if Lacelso ever decides to come back from injury and stop being Eric Lamella 2.0, um, you know, we might see Lacelso and Hoiberg in there as a midfield duo. Um, or I think Ndombele is obviously predominantly played as a number 10 this season. So, with him dropping a little bit, I don't know if he's getting used to dropping a little bit with that added responsibility there. Um, but maybe as uh, as Hoy as Ndombele, sorry, as he perhaps plays there a little bit more, um, we might see a better balance in the midfield. No, that's true, and, and I like that you pointed out Skip because, like you said, I, I don't think that combination of Hoiberg and Skip would work. It's more like Jay said; it'd be like a, a switch, like a be able to switch them out each game. But I also want to point out um, to you, Adam, about Ndombele and Hoiberg. There's rumours going around that they're both going to be the next Dembele and Wanyama. Do you see, see that combination working or do you think, like Wes says, he needs to play further forward? Um, no, I could see that working. I think uh, it, it would replace, he is that Wanyama form, isn't he? That he's your, he's your enforcer in midfield, but he'll just try and mop up any loose ball. And he's got an, we've seen he's got an eye for a pass as well, so he can thread those through. And Dombele is just, you just watch him and you think, how have you still got the ball? You've, you've turned three players inside out. And even when he's on the floor, he's still got the ball sometimes. You just, it, yeah, they, they could work together. That could be that replacement. But then no one's ever going to be as good as Moussa Dembele, are they? We've all still got a soft spot for Moussa Dembele. Greatest of all time. This one of the greatest of all time. That is very true. And it's interesting as well to see this comparison because I, I still don't think he's reached that levels yet. But like all good things, we need to give them time. And it's just interesting that people make this comparison because like you said, I could feel it working, but today I just I don't think it was there. But Wes, do you think that's because today no one was really in it in the first half? Um well, it looked like no one was in it. That's for that's for sure. Um, yeah, I think there's. I think we mentioned before about a real lack of movement, um, and that was so evident in the first half. I think there's times when Ndombele and Hoiberg are on the ball, and they're looking for players to to give it to, and there's absolutely nothing. And it was almost like we were in a that rinse and repeat kind of motion where Hoiberg or Ndombele would get on the ball. Uh, look for a pass forward, nothing there, turn, play back to either Sanchez or Dyer, or and then we'd go back to Lloris, and then it's a punt forward up the pitch. And it seemed to be that was the way that we were we were going, and it was really frustrating. Um, so I don't know, perhaps if Sissoko would have played, and Ndombele plays slightly higher, that at least he's got an op- they've got that option and that pass forwards into into a player who's you know, in between the lines and in those pockets of spaces to then get on the ball and feed good through passes through, uh, to Kane or, or Son or whoever was out on the right-hand side, if it was Lucas or or Lamella, but obviously one of those would have probably dropped out. Um, 
So yeah, it was it was annoying to see a real lack of you know urgency and desire to want the ball. I know people talk about players wanting to be brave, but we usually associate that with you know putting your body on the line, last ditch tackles and things like that. Being brave is also getting on the ball where you know your team's under pressure and you know there's players around you. I think that's a bravery in itself. But I think there was also a lack of combinations between the two of them. Um, I think. You know, I recall one scenario off the top of my head. Hoiberg's received the ball and he's tried to play a pass into Ndombele in between two West Ham players and nearly sent Ndombele to hospital, bless him, because the pass was horrific. And, you know, it's just little bits like that that are uncharacteristic from Hoiberg, especially given how he's played for us this season. Um, but, yeah, I think I alluded to it, perhaps bringing Sissoko back gives that better balance. But, yeah, in the... In the first half, it was really frustrating that nobody wanted to take that responsibility, get on the ball, make things happen. Um, so, yeah, I think Lacelso coming in, I mean, Gio loves to get on the ball as well um, and, and try and make things happen. Um, but, yeah, it's it, obviously he's injured, so we can't, we can't really have him. But, uh, yeah, like I say, really frustrating that nobody wanted to get on the ball in that first half. And, and credit, I think, to Bale in that second half because he was the one that was trying to take the game to the opposition. Um, so I've got to give him credit for that, even though I've I've given him a bit of stick earlier on. That's the thing, Les. I like the way that you've mentioned that everybody seemed to be hiding behind the ball because I think that was right. At times, it looked like players were playing hide and seek behind West Ham players because there was just lack of movement everywhere. It was so static. And that's the thing I want to come to you, Adam, because it seemed to me that at times, players just tend to be doing them themselves. Like, they tend to be doing stuff that they thought they could do all by themselves, like the likes of Lucas, the luck of Lamela. And does that to you sometimes worry you because of the fact that at the moment we're not seeing these combination plays at the moment that we have seen prior to the start of the season, obviously, towards in that high point during Christmas, there was lots of combination plays and now it's just kind of gone dead. What do you reckon we need to build on from this? Is it something that we need to try and fix at training or is it just because morale at the moment is so low in the team, it seems, especially on the pitch? I think confidence is extremely low, but I think since the results have been dropping off, you've missed that transition from defence to attack. There isn't anything. We've seen it before with like Alderweireld. He can ping a ball long and that will create an attack, but there is nothing at the moment. I mean, last week against Man City, we, we had, I think it's three shots on target all game. And there was no there was no link there. There was nothing. There was no balance between the two. How do you get from one end of the pitch? And the players just look completely lost. But it's interesting that Wes has mentioned um, Giovanni Lo Celso because I think he he will be someone that will create that play. He will link up a bit more and we'll hopefully see a bit more positivity in people creating an attack really that's the thing it's, it's so i mean we touched on this just before we came into this about how our attack is strong but our defense is just is just nothing i can't remember what you said Wes. what was the analogy you said so it's almost like you've got a ferrari at the top end and a nissan micro at the back but you're not because you're not fueling the ferrari like you've it's almost like you've got this wonderful car if you like, but you're not giving it the juice that it needs to perform. And that's exactly kind of how how it feels at the minute. Um, you know, we've spoken about obviously the individual errors, but then at the same time, there's nobody, nobody in that team that's going, right, hold on a minute. Let's just sit tight for 10, 15 minutes and, you know, perhaps not obviously have as many attacks, if you like, but we've just got to try and stay in the game and, you know, just be that little bit more solid um, and then, you know, our time will eventually come to to penetrate and attack and obviously put, put some chances away. But I don't see any real leaders out there that just goes, look, lads, just keep it tight for, for five, ten minutes and just almost ride out a, a wave of, of pressure. 
that's the thing. It's just all over the place at the moment. And I want to just touch on Deli Ali because obviously we didn't see him start. Obviously, he had a good game against Wolfsburg in the week. But Adam, do you think him coming on was the right move? Because obviously, I thought there was incidents where he could have just controlled the ball, played it easy. And there's a one instance towards the end of the game where he decides to flick it randomly again. So, do you think Delhi could possibly be the answer to try and save the season, or do you think it's dead in the water now? I am surprised that Delhi came on. I thought we might have seen Carlos finishes coming on to try and get a bit more attack, a bit more goal goal influences going on. But we've always said it with Delhi. He'll, he'll get the ball and he'll try the extravagant. He'll try the, the flick or something like that. Yeah, it worked for him. He, he had that amazing season when he was scoring goals left, right and centre. He won Young Player of the Year. But he, he it's, it's weird because he has got that talent. We can see it. It's just... In this team, you just don't know where he's gonna if he's gonna fit. Is he gonna bring that back, or have we really seen the best of Delhi? Like, what is the situation with him? It's, it's it's a tough one. I mean, it is. You think obviously we don't know his mindset. We don't know what's going on with him. But you think in a player like Delhi Ali, he'd want to prove himself in a game like this. And I feel like again today it was just trying to be too clever, like you said, Adam. And it's very irritating. I think maybe Wes, do you reckon maybe we should just use him as a squad player in the Europa, or do you think? Again, it's it's another wonderful word, this let's give him time sort of thing, that lovely phrase. Do you think we need to give him a bit more time in the Prem or do you think his numbers are up, his days are up, basically? Well, I hope I hope his days aren't numbered. Um, obviously, I'm from Milton Keynes. Deli Alley's from Milton Keynes. You know, he come through at my local club. He's then signed for the team that I've supported since I was a boy. So I've got, you know, a real kind of attachment, not only to Delhi but his journey. Um, that he's had. This is the first time in his career, because you know, followed him pretty closely, but it's the first time in his career he's been really out of a team and out of a side. Um, Delhi's mentality is one where I think he, he loves to sort of prove people wrong. I think he's done it for the majority of his career. Um, I wouldn't say that he's finished by any stretch of the imagination. We've got to remember that Delhi Ali's still only 24 years of age. Like, He's still got plenty of time. It's just annoying to to see the level that he was at and the heights he was reaching to, you know, basically being cast aside and, you know, having to make deal with cup games against against Marine, with all due respect to Marine. Um, you know, it's it's listen, I think there's got when Jose came in, Delhi was one of the first names on the team sheet every week, alongside probably Dyer uh, in the first instance. Um, and you saw, you know, Delhi getting in the box, getting those goal contributions that that we uh, we were so used to, and knew it was like, okay, is Delhi perhaps back to what we were used to? Because I think certainly un- in the last eighteen months under Pochettino, uh, things had changed. But I think that was due to the fact that we actually changed shape under Pochettino, so he wasn't very much that four-two-three-one anymore. We played a lot of a diamond. Delhi was sort of on the left-hand side of a diamond, and I don't think it really suited him um as much um but yeah obviously i'd i'd love delhi to turn it around um i've got the belief that he will um because i think he's got the the mentality to turn it around as well and i think that's key because i think if certain players are getting treated in a similar way i think that they'd either just go under or they're going to come out the other side i think we've seen with ndombele he was almost cast aside by jose um, I think we even saw it in the in the documentary as well, um, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, Tongi's flavour of the month every month, do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think Delhi. listen, I think every Spurs fan kind of wants Delhi to do well because of what we've 
what we've seen before. Um, but yeah, for me, certainly give him a go because I think he offers something completely different. Um, you know, you're looking today and I know state of the game is completely different, but I think if Delhi starts, usually he's one that stretches play. So I think certainly against lower teams in the league, I'm saying like Delhi could obviously play against the top teams, don't get me wrong, but certainly uh, against teams that are going to sit and, and camp in almost a bit like what we do. Um, he can certainly stretch the game by making a run. All of a sudden, that can open space. It might be for Son, it might be for Kane, or whoever else is is in those attacking positions. Um, so I think, yeah, Delhi definitely offers something different to the team. Um, it's just where do you fit him in? Because you know, I see it a lot on social media where people are, you know, clamming for Delhi to play. Get him in the team. Get him in the team. Get him in the team. But then you ask these people, okay, what's your what's your uh, best starting eleven? And Delhi doesn't feature. So, you know, you can't have it both ways for me. Um, but, yeah, obviously, I'd, I'd, I'd love nothing more than, than Delhi to turn it around because I feel like, like that's my guy. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think he's got the capability to do it. Definitely, definitely. It's just a case of whether we'll see it or not. And that's the difference. So, Adam, I want to come to you. It's, it's good what Wes points out, the fact that Delhi does add something different. It's just we haven't seen it for so long, whether that be because Mourinho hasn't seen it in, in training or whether he just doesn't think he's at that level at the moment that he was. So I want to come to you, Adam. What would you like to see come the end of the season? Would you like to hold on to Delhi? I know every Spurs fan, like Wes said, wants to. But do you think it's maybe the time to cash in and maybe try and get someone else? I still wonder if his, his heart was set on the January loan. And that's another thing that's also affected him as well. He thought, I'll go out and get regular game time. That didn't come through for him. It's, it's Like I say, it's a tough one with Delhi. You can see that he, he has got that talent. It's just as one of the comments said there, it's his, it's his mentality, it's his mindset. I think if he can if he can sort that out, then yeah, he will be back to where he is. But at this team at the moment, with all the players we've got, if they're all fit, I'd like I'd rather have Lacelso in over Delhi. Because I think he's he, he creates the attacks a bit more. But... Like I say, it's a tough one because he has got that talent. It is there. We've seen it. So cashing in maybe a little bit too early, maybe give him a run to the end of the season, see what he does. If he doesn't bring any contributions towards the end of the season, then we know where he's at and, yeah, try and try and move him on in the summer and replace him. Because we still haven't replaced Ericsson, really, have we? No, another another cracking attack of midfielder. <laughs> that's true. And I also like having the way that you've incorporated the line move because obviously... I was under the impression it would be good for both club and Delhi because obviously I feel like he needs a change of scenery, a new drive, and obviously going to see Potts would probably help him as well. And I thought that for both club, it means that it takes him out of the equation. So Jesse has have to worry about him with his attitude, obviously, if he doesn't play. But it also means that it puts him on the shop window for other clubs. And it would also mean that if we did decide to sell him come the summer, we'd have more money in because his price would rise if he has a good cameo at, at PSG, obviously. So I like the fact that you, you've said that, obviously. And with Lo Celso, I think we have missed the Celso, I think, to an extent. But like you said, we haven't managed to replace Ericsson. I mean, Wes, yeah. I like the fact that people try and compare Ndombele to Ericsson, but I just don't think they're the same player. What do you think? No, nah, they're not. They're not the same player. And Ndombele is like Dembele, like the greatest of all time, Musa Dembele. But I think Ndombele's got a bit more technical ability the Moussa Dembele now Moussa Dembele you know my favorite favorite player probably ever that I've seen at Tottenham um I absolutely love him that's why I call him the greatest of all time but and Dombele's got that cute pass in him I don't think Dembele had that Dembele was just you know as, as every Spurs fan knows it's 
you know, as strong as an ox, but with ballerina feet. And I think Ndombele's got that in him. Um, you know, I think and probably Ndombele's probably got a bigger backside as well, which helps him out in terms of turning away from from players. Um, but yeah, I think they're complete like Ndombele and Eriksson is like it's just completely different players. So I don't think you can compare them um, in that respect. I just think that Eriksson, you know, in his time at Tottenham. I look at it and I never thought that he believed in himself. I think because if he did, he would be spoken about in conversations with along with De Bruyne and Silva. He was that like his ability was that good. His belief was like, you know, nowhere near it. Um so I think that's the difference for me with with Ericsson. Um but yeah, I think Ndombele, as I said, completely different player to Ericsson. Um I wouldn't even entertain a debate like that usually um because like i say that's like completely different um you know it's like comparing mark noble with with harry winks it's like you know completely different really um so yeah that's that's just my take on it no that's good i'm, I'm glad you came out and said that was because i've had a lot of people trying to make this assumption but it's just it's not the right thing to do because they're totally different players and um, adam i just want to i want to get both your thoughts on this i want to know what you'd like to see in the summer obviously with this result today, we're all pretty down in the dumps, which is true because I just don't think it was a performance that really managed to get anything over the line. Obviously, the second half was something different. That was good. But the first half, again, we threw it away. So, Adam, who would you like to come see into the club in the summer? I think, uh, who would join as a transfer? Yeah, so who would you like, as in we know what the squad's looking like at the moment, with the Deadwood. Who would you like to come in to try and replenish the squad? From centre-backs to goal, we, there's a few positions I think we need to sort out. Centre-backs is a definite. Right-back is interesting because I thought Tanganga didn't do too bad today. Um, we expect that probably Serge Aurier might get moved on in the summer. Um, so if he goes, we'll have to look to get a replacement for him. I think Max Ahrens is a massive shout, but I've seen that he's been rumoured to be moved to Bayern Munich. You see it all over social media. So whether he's going to join us over Bayern Munich is highly unlikely. Um Goalkeeper was interesting that you mentioned earlier with Lloris making errors. Maybe Nick Pope from Burnley, quite a strong goalkeeper, always puts in good performances. No, the thing the thing is with Pope, right, is he's a don't get me wrong, he's a very, very good goalkeeper for Burnley. But I've had this discussion with a few people before because of the goalkeeper debate. And I always like if I took Nick Pope out of Burnley, would I get almost the same results if not better and I think I don't know with that one like I think Nick Pope suits Burnley and I think he suits them fantastically well but then I think if he's to make that jump I think there's a lot of things that would need to change from Nick Pope for him to get to say go on to that next level and, and don't forget as well he's he's 28 um, so if you're going to sign Nick a 28 29 year old Nick Pope you're going to get three three years out of him um, at, at the most. Uh, Martinez from Villa. Well, he's ex-Arsenal, so probably not. <laughs> probably not. But that's just my take on, on Nick Pope, to be fair. Like, that's Dep it all depends. Sorry, Holly. Uh, that's right, Karen. No, you can uh, say, it depends on the situation with what happens with Bale as well. Maybe a new right-sided attacker, um, depending whether he's going to, if he hasn't got the hope of Bergwijn um, or more has not given more impact. Maybe we need a right attacking midfielder that will influence the game a bit more, um, a bit more goals and a bit more assists, because that's something else that's seriously lacked this season. If you look at the, the statistics on our players that normally play right side, they don't they don't seem to be chipping in with that. That's a big thing of the attack as well. I'd like to see one of those come in the summer. 
Well, I like that, Adam. That's that's a good look on things. I think maybe the goalie issue is something that's maybe going to come later, just in the fact that there's so much other rubbish we need to sort out first. <laughs> but obviously, Wes, you've spoken about who you want to get in. Is there certain players that you definitely want to get rid of in this summer? Yeah, hold on. Let me get my scroll here for this <laughs> one, because there is so many that we need to hook. Um yeah, Hugo, obviously being rumoured to Paris, 18 months left on his contract. I'd probably cash in now because he's 34. Um, right back, in an ideal world, you'd probably been both, but it's probably not going to happen. Um, yeah, I think Doherty's probably been the, the probably for me, the biggest disappointment probably out of the seven alongside Bale. Um, yeah, I don't know who sanction that deal but they want their head tested um but whoever's at wolves like you know big them up because they've got a fantastic deal out of us uh for, for matt doherty because i just don't i can't see what a what jose was on about in the documentary about him being aggressive well he's a fullback or wingback that's kind of his job to make a tackle kind of thing um and yeah i just don't know what anybody's seen in matt doherty to go yeah we'll have him uh to be honest um so it's either credit to Nuno for turning him into, you know, actually a half decent wing back or, or full back or whatever. Or, yeah, like I say, some people have got some serious questions to answer. Uh, Centre halves. Yeah, I think, you know, we could pretty much, I could be here all day going through the whole team pretty much. Um, I think the only, it's probably easier, Holly, to say the players that we want to stay as opposed to the ones we want to yeah, get rid of. Yeah, that's probably a better question, um, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, like I say, centre halves need addressing. Um, you know, there's, you know, Big, big, uh, big, big areas there. Um, left back, Davis has looked shaky for the first time really in his career um, at Spurs because I've always thought he's been like a steady player. Um, I don't think Adam agreed with some of my choices there by the fact that he uh, he just went <laughs> off for a second. Um, but yeah, I think obviously midfield, I mentioned Sissoko. Um, yeah, I, I'd tell you what as well, I think, and I said this perhaps maybe last season, is that if... Or sort certainly in the summer, it was like if there was a half decent offer for Lucas Mora, I'd maybe look at at getting rid, um, because I think he's still living off Ajax. And don't get me wrong, he'll always be a Spurs legend. We'll never have to buy a pint in Tottenham ever again. But um, yeah, I just don't think he's done anything since really. Um, so yeah, those like I say, it's probably easier for me to count. I could probably count on probably two fingers the amount of players that we want to stay, but. We need a big clear out. I can't see it happening, though. That is the only problem, um, just because of I don't see clubs with a lot of money um, at the moment. So it will be very, very hard for us to shift players on. Um, you know, the, and obviously the ones that we want to get rid of. So that's kind of kind of my take on it. And, and Adam again seems to not agree because he's gone off again. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Never mind. I'm sure we'll be back in a minute. But um, obviously we'll just wait for Adam if he's going to pop back. But I want to say thanks again uh, to Wes and Adam for coming on today. Obviously it wasn't the best result. It wasn't the best way to talk about things. But I think we've done all right just to try and cover everything. So Wes, if you want to say where everyone can find you or see all your content and things. Yeah, so um, yeah, I could be here a while because um, I've got you know people can find me on on Instagram at Wezo thirty two, Twitter at Wezo ten. Um, also do um, some coaching based in Milton Keynes. So if there's any anyone from Milton Keynes watching there, do some some one to ones and, and other bits of, of coaching provisions. Uh, WM thirty two football across all social media uh, platforms for those. As you know, Holly do a podcast as well because you've uh, very kindly jumped on that as well. Um, so if there is anybody that 
perhaps would like to jump on a podcast, then, then just let me know um, and I'll try and squeeze you in. Well, thanks again for coming on today, Wes. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And um, Adam as well, where can we find you and all your stuff? Is he going to... He's, he's frozen. He's frozen. <laughs> he's frozen. Well, I know you can find Adam on Twitter at the Real Phone Jacker, and you can find him on Instagram as You Don't Adam as well, which he's named himself too. So please make sure you go check out Adam's stuff because his football knowledge is is the oh he's here again. Oh no, he's there. Sorry, hey! <laughs> my, wife, my Wi-Fi is doing about the same as Tottenham's defence, letting me down constantly. <laughs> it's all good. I just um was saying where they can find you on Adam. Do you want to give? Oh, a yeah, I've got uh, Yido Adam on Instagram, and I've also got the uh, the real phone jack on Twitter as well. And that's nice. about it. <laughs> nice. So make sure you uh, go and check these guys out. And thanks again for everyone that's tuned in today. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button because I'll be doing some more content like this. But that leads me to say, hopefully Tottenham can try and prove it around in the next couple of games. But until next time, I will see you all soon. And thanks again to my guests. Yeah, thank you.